Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it is in your time zone. It is nice to see you all. Welcome to episode 22, season two here at the Yellow Card Podcast, presented to you by Student Union Sports. Your host is always Diego Galvez, accompanied by co-host Chris Jones. Um, we got lots to talk about this week. Premier League, Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, everything else in between, FA Cup, all sorts of stuff. Um Jones, how did you do last week, my man? You know, we did all right. It's been a it's been an all right week. Um yeah. looking at the Premier League, we both went five and five, but mm-hmm. the better part been a lot of worse. That, Yeah, but also the better part of that was we won four out of the last five. Yep. City, the draw in Arsenal and West Ham, we called it to a T. United mm-hmm. and Liverpool. Those were four big wins. We desperately needed that because we were looking putrid to start the week. But yeah, hey, a little bit. we live and we learn. Also, uh, as as we're recording, breaking news from Fabrizio Romano, Julian Nagelsmann has officially pulled himself out of the race to be Chelsea's new manager. Chelsea fans are insanely down bad. They don't get Mauricio Pochettino. I think it's going to be another flop of a year for Chelsea coming up. Well, I think... I think the situation is a lot worse. Not so much about a flop of a year or whatever. I think there's just, it's the lack of a culture and the lack of, of an actual sporting director there at, uh, at Chelsea. Um, if you had a strong sporting director with a strong um, personality and character, you know, that does have to battle there. You need somebody that can be in between you and ownership to kind of pull the trigger and be like, no, we need ownership out of the way. Let us, the professionals, handle the signings, handle the uh, the recruiting, the scouting, and all that stuff. Right now, unfortunately, that's that's majority of the issue right now for Chelsea. They are trigger happy. They're buying left and right, and they're not realizing how the damage that they've done to the to the to the club. I mean, their captain said it, said it himself best when you're signing eight to nine new players. On a transfer window, how do you expect them to adjust immediately to a culture that is completely different from where they're coming from? Uh, not only is the culture shock a, a, a big factor, but also chemistry, also understanding the game, understanding the, the the league itself. Nine different players, that's that's a lot of money tying up itself. So um I think I, I think the troubles ahead for for Chelsea are are severe. Um and something needs to be done rather quickly, especially with, with this new ownership. Yeah, no, for sure. I I just – sorry, I'm getting distracted. I'm looking at – you know me. I really love a good referee appointment for the EPL, so I have to look. And they have match day 32 and 33 up already. Um, and I'll dive into it because you and I will have some contrasting opinions based off of what we – are going to like from these referee appointments. But to move back to the original topic of Chelsea, I think now that opens the door for Tottenham to get Julian Nagelsmann. I think if I'm Nagelsmann, I think I'd rather go to Tottenham than Chelsea. Tottenham is in a better position. I understand they have a couple pieces that could be moved, but they they could work for Nagelsmann. We, we just don't know yet. We have to see and wait and see. I think Chelsea needs to stop spending money on players. They should... 
<clears throat> Christian Pulisic should be gone this summer. Mason Mount should be gone this summer. Loftus Cheek. They should get. They should clear house, bring some money in, and then get a manager that wants to be here for multiple years and wants to be able to make this team back to the winning ways that they've been accustomed to very much for a very long time in the Premier League. So we'll see what happens there. But I just thought it was funny how we were just about to press the record button and then Fabrizio Romano broke the news. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, I think you you and I have been talking about this throughout all week, and I, and I think we could see a huge shuffling of cards around Europe. Um, we know there's rumors of Christoph Galtier potentially being replaced this um, by the end of the season. Seems like Galtier and PSG are just not happy with one another. Um, Galtier's plan is still to finish the season, go on to the next one and see how things go. But based on on the relationship between him, some of the players and, and, and the ownership, I think we could potentially see a big move there. Um, we know that Carlo Ancelotti is being severely targeted by the Brazilian national team to become their, their new head coach. Um, that, that opens the door for a lot of things. We know that Antonio Conte is also still available. We know that Luis Enrique is still available. Mauricio Pochettino is still available. Nagelsmann is still available. Um, so that opens the door for a severe shoveling of the cards. Um, my train of thought is that we could potentially see the following. Jose Mourinho land into PSG because PSG has been eyeing him for quite a while, especially with the job that he's done at Roma. Um, we could potentially see Antonio Conte land at Roma. Roma would be a huge fit for him, even though his ties with which Juventus go deep and, and whatnot, you know, might be a relationship thing. But um, we know that Conte wants to come back to the Italian league and, and what better way to come back than to Roma. Um, we know Luis Enrique has been severely tied down to, to Tottenham. Tottenham has huge regards for, for the Spaniard national. Uh, he's one of the masterminds of, of the game itself. And I think Luis Enrique would be a better appointment to, to Tottenham than, any other. Um, I agree with you. I think if Chelsea can't land Mauricio Pochettino, I'm not entirely sure who they'll land next. Uh, so I'm guessing with Pochettino, that would be the, the best way to go for Chelsea. Um, and even though he's turned them once already, this might be the perfect fit, the perfect opportunity for him to come in and um, redeem himself. This would be Julian Nagelsmann over to Real Madrid. That would be the job that, that, that he could land immediately after Bayern Munich's uh, sacking. Uh, it's not like he did a bad job with Bayern Munich. It was just some of the players did not want to respect him. Uh, and that, that changes the dynamic there a lot. Uh, I don't see why. I don't see why not. I don't see why he wouldn't land there. So I don't know what your thoughts are, but um, that would be the shuffling that I could, that I could see happening. Yeah, no, I could definitely see some shuffling happening. Um, I think you and I agreed more so on on everything there. I just think, for me, uh, a couple other names that Chelsea could go after, like Diego Simeone, would be wouldn't be a bad one. Yeah, I think re re a realistic option for them would be that they end up uh, with Brendan Rodgers as their as their next manager. Brendan Rodgers could be another phenomenal appointment. I just 
again, it, it's just a matter of get your stuff done, really, really, really focusing on what the dynamic is going to be moving forward. What you want is chemistry moving forward as well as identity. Um, and appointing from there, you, you just can't keep doing what, you, what you've been doing this year. It's just no. irresponsible, <clears throat> lackluster, and very, uh, very scary because that that that's how you can defund the whole entire team. Exactly. All right, but we talked enough about these new managers. Let's why don't we touch base on what happened in the Champions League last week? Stuart. Or this past week, I should say. Um, so we now have the semifinal matchups of Real Madrid and Manchester City, which is basically the Champions League final. Yeah. AC Milan and Inter Milan. Yep. So this week, Chelsea lost again two nothing to Real Madrid. Madrid just a all around better team than them. Chelsea didn't have a fighting chance. Yep. Napoli and AC Milan was the surprise to me. I thought that Victor Oshman and company would take over at home. And AC Milan jumped out early, you know, when Napoli's goaltender stayed the Giroud penalty. I sat there and thought, okay, this is the, this is the tide that turns. And then Giroud comes down, scores, gives them a 2 nothing lead in the aggregate, and I was like, oh, this is over. This is over. So that was a big surprise to me. Bayern and Manchester City, it was a very good game. City just played very defensive heavy. They didn't, they didn't need to do a ton. They went 4-1 in the aggregate. And then Inter Milan and Benfica. I mean, yep. Inter took control of that game early. Benfica scored too late to make a 5-3 in the aggregate. But Inter Milan had control the entire way. There was no way they were losing that. Ended up. So those are our semifinal matchups in the Champions League. Real Madrid and Manchester City. And then AC Milan and Inter Milan. So just basically really quick, what do you think the final is going to be? My personal opinion, I think we're going to be seeing we're going to be seeing Manchester City versus AC Milan. And I think AC Milan is the tournament winner. The, the the way they've been playing, the way that the way they're grinding, the way their 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 whole entire dynamic has been throughout this whole tournament has just been sensational. We've seen Oliver Giroud really step in and, and show us his quality. Rafael Leao is just to a whole different level. He's playing at the same exact levels, if not even better than what he was playing at the World Cup with Portugal. Um, the team itself is well gelled together. Defensively, they're very good. Um, offensively, they they are as clinical as they can be. Um, not to say that Manchester City isn't. It's just, I think, the contention game that AC Milan plays is exactly the perfect match for Manchester City to be in trouble. I, I Listen, I agree with you 100%. Unfortunately, I don't see City making it that far. I think Real Madrid is too tough, and I think they put the foot on the gas in the first leg at home, go up. I, I think they beat them 3-1. to one. They have the 3-1 lead going back to Etihad, and they just play a defensive-minded game. I just think Carlo Ancelotti is just him versus Pep Guardiola is going to be a fantastic two matches that we're going to get within the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited for it. I'm, I can't wait for it. I think Real Madrid comes out of it. And I think – I agree with you. I think AC Milan's better than Inter right now. And honestly, if I'm Inter, I'm kind of depleted based off of something I'm going to touch upon really quick afterwards. But I think it's Real Madrid and AC Milan, and I think Real Madrid wins again. And Ancelotti wins his second – 
Champions League with Real Madrid in a row before he leaves to go be the national manager of Brazil. Now, another name that would be extremely worth to keep on the list of potential new Chelsea managers. Don't be surprised if Vincent Company gets an offer from Chelsea. Do yeah, not be no. surprised. I would agree with that 100%. All right. Quickly, Europa League. Um, the semifinal matchups, we have Roma and Bayern Leverkusen. And then we have Juventus and Sevilla. Roma, in extra time, came back and beat Fenerud 4-1. They went 4-2 in the aggregate. Um, Sporting and Juventus drew 1-1. Juventus won the first leg, 1-0. They move on in the aggregate. Bayern Leverkusen won 4-1. They went 5-2 in the aggregate. <clears throat> Manchester United, after being up 2-0 at one point in the first game, give up five unanswered in the last two games against Sevilla. Yep. And are out of the Europa League in the quarterfinals. Really quickly, they haven't beat Sevilla in their last five matches against each other. It was a bad draw for them coming in. Do you feel that the draw is more so bad because of United's style of play and how they don't match up well with the Sevilla team? Or do you think that United really shot themselves in the foot? I think it's plain and simple. Um, United shot themselves in the foot. They lacked they lacked hunger. They lacked discipline. They lacked um, intensity. And therefore, why Sevilla was the far better team. I mean, if you look at the end, the, the final 20 minutes of the first leg of the Manchester United game versus Sevilla at home, it was disciplinary errors. Harry Maguire with his errors. David De Gea making errors. Um, the defense not gelling well together. The unfortunate injury of Lisandro Martinez also didn't help as well. But that shouldn't count. You should be able to come in off the bench and be able to replace a top-tier defensive uh, player without having to blame it on his injuries. And that is exactly what happened to Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof. They're, they're just not... They're not the defensive duel that they once could be. Uh, and, they're, and they're not, they're simply just not going to be. Harry Maguire plays a different style. Victor Lindelof is very, uh, very different in terms of that as well from Harry Maguire. They just don't, they don't gel well together. They're like olive, they're like olive oil and, and water. They just not meant to be together. Um, then you look at the mistakes done in this Second game, David De Gea coming out of out, out of his net to do one of the stupidest mistakes I've ever seen a top-tier goalkeeper do. Um you can blame Harry Maguire all you want for that for that first goal that Sevilla scored, but that's not that's that's a split fault there. If you are a goalkeeper, you don't make a pass to a defensive player who's not even looking behind him to see who is coming at his door. Nevertheless, did you not even communicate to that player, letting him know ball, 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 or play, or, you know, or man on. You're not saying either one of the, the two key things that you should be communicating when passing the ball in the back to one of your defensive players who's not looking up front. Third part of it all is, you know that there was pressure coming to the defensive players. The hell are you doing passing the ball? 
I, I don't get why you couldn't just loft that thing up to to the to you know to to center half and just let it be. You instead you passing the ball. Do you realize how idiotic that mistake is, especially against a Sevilla team that was hungry as all hell? Um, and again, they just they lack that intensity. They lack that sense of of fire in them. They 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 lacked a lot of things. They let me put it this way: there were only three players to me that stood out during the whole entire leg uh, of, of this matchup for Manchester United. That was Anthony Santos, who played a very good role in, in both legs. He was intense. He he brought in that fire in him. Um, Casemiro was decent, even though disciplinary-wise, he, he can't keep himself away from yellow cards. Um, and last but not least was uh, Val Vekhorst. The guy's intensity, yeah, he might not be creating the goals that he needs to be making, but his high pressing and his intensity where you need him the most is what created those chances for Manchester United to be able to score. So, um, again, just I, I I think if anything, this opened the eyes of Aaron Ten Hag of being able to realize who he needs to sell this summer and the actual positions he needs to replace. That's that's all I could say. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think for them, they need to focus up because they have a tough tough matchup this weekend in the FA Cup. So yep. with that, <clears throat> takes care of that. Also, so I, I mentioned uh, a little bit ago about Inter feeling a little flat based off of some news that, that came about. Yep. Um, Ju- Juventus's 15-point deduction has been rescinded they are now currently sitting all the way up in third place moved inter out and moved also moved ac milan out of the top four currently right now so i wanted to get your thoughts on that what do you how do you think about how the italian league has gone about this um i don't think any differently i mean i think i think the 15 point deduction was a little bit stream um especially now with seeing what the culture of the club has come to be. There's still a lot of changes that need to be made at, at Juventus, and I think uh, Massimiliano Allegri is doing the right thing for the club itself. A lot of people wanted him out, but they're not realizing the results that the guy is bringing. And even without the 15-point deduction, all the guy really needed to do was win the next three games, and he's still in the top four, top five of the uh, of the Serie uh, you know, this the Italian league. So um, in terms of relevancy for Juventus, they, they, they're, they're, they're in the rise. They're, they're in their prime again. They're, they're looking good. They're, they're the club again that everybody was intimidated about when it came to, when it came to Italy. Um, in terms of the 15 point deduction, like I said, it was a, a, a bit extreme. I think some, uh, some limitations as well as some fines could have been, the best case scenario for addressing the issue that Juventus had. Um, and I think they addressed it correctly. I think, you know, getting rid of um, Pavel Net, uh, Pavel Netved, uh, getting rid of uh, Paratici there, getting rid of, of a couple other things there uh, was the best way to go. And that's, that's almost as good as it can get when, when you violate financial fair play and you have some other issues that are are happening within within the institution. 
Um, but again, you know, I think don't be surprised if the Italian league again changes their mind before the end of the season and decides to deduct maybe just a few points away from Juventus and that costs them the ticket between Champions League and Europa League. But um, honestly, congratulations to, to Juventus. It's still very much in European competition. They're in very good shape uh, with a team that needs a lot of replacements. So that's all I can say. Yeah, no, for sure. I just think, <clears throat> you know, especially with them, teams have anywhere between six and like eight games left. I think it just kind of deflates the room a little bit because you have this deduction in the middle of the season and then you're thinking, okay, we don't have to worry about this team catching up because we're, <clears throat> they're 15 points behind where they should be. So we're, we're in a good spot here. Now, all of a sudden, the points start to come back and now you're because of that, you you went from sitting in fourth to now fifth. Like that's, you know what I mean. That would that would sting a little bit. I mean, it should sting a little bit and whatnot, but it also comes to the intensity of your over overall team itself. I mean, when you are a team that has been laying on your roll uh, on your laurels, just hoping that Juventus stays out of competition for the next fifteen point deduction. I mean, that's on you. That's you know, what are your priorities when you look at? AC Milan, when you look at Inter, when you look at Roma, their priorities right now is mainly the European competition, not so much the the internal league itself. Um, and that's that's what happens when you rest in your laurels and you don't keep the foot on the gas. That's exactly what happens. Oh, for sure, for sure, I, I would I would agree with you there. Um, yes, yeah, so that that'll do for that. Um, I just looked. On Twitter, really quick, um, the U20 World Cup group stage has been announced. Uh, the U.S. is with Slovakia, Fiji, and Ecuador yep. in Group B. Um, if people remember the last U20 World Cup, they were eliminated. U.S. was eliminated by Ecuador, and MLS clubs signed seven players from that team. So a little bit, a little bit for this this USA team, a little revenge incoming, I think. Uh, something to look out for for the U20 World Cup that's uh, coming up. So stay tuned with that. All right, let's dive in to Prem Talk this week. So we went 5-5 five and five last week. Um, I'm now sitting at 140 and 157. Diego's 149 and 148. So let's dive right in. Today, the day that we are recording, there is a football game match between Arsenal and Southampton. Yep. Um, I'm going to be short and sweet here. Arsenal's just going to blow the doors off them. Statement win, 3 nothing Arsenal. They need one, especially after these past two draws. As the look that I just saw on Diego's face, 3 nothing as well. Good. Got it. It, it fucking begins. This is ridiculous. Don't be mad. All right. <clears throat> I'll let you go first the next one. How about that? All right. Oh, what a, what a sweetheart you are, you you sunshine. <laughs> you sunshine and beautiful. We'll, su- we'll, su- we'll switch off, all right? Um, um, all right, so Fulham Fulham and Leeds. Fulham and Leeds. Go ahead. Fulham takes some leads at home. Um Leeds is just not not the team that they, they need to be. Uh I'm going two nothing Fulham. So I understand that, that Leeds isn't where where they should be. However, what is the biggest mismatch for Fulham that they're missing right now? 
To be perfectly it's, honest with you, a center defensive mid. Well, they're missing. Well, they're missing that. But also they're missing their top goal scorer in Alexander Mitrovic, who's still currently yep. sus- uh, on his suspension. I believe it was Coach <laughs> Kavanaugh, too, yep. which is even funnier. So they, if you look at what they've done without him, I mean, yes, they won 3-1 against Everton, but they've, they've lost a lot of games. I think this is a little bit closer. I'm going to go Fulham squeaking out a 2-1 win. But I would not be surprised if Leeds actually wins this wins this match. All right. Brentford and Villa. Brentford at home. We've talked about it all year long. They're 7-6-2. and two. They've gotten a point in 13 out of their 15 home matches. Villa has been on a tear lately. They've won five in a row. They're currently sitting three points out of fifth in the Prem. However, I do think... Brentford defensively is going to cause them some havoc. I'm going to go with a classic 1-1 draw. I couldn't agree more. I think Aston Villa has been on a tear. Uh, Brentford is just good at home. I Yeah, I agree. These are, these are two very level-headed teams that I could see a draw happening. 1-1. All right, Crystal Palace and Everton. Um, it's Everton versus Crystal Palace. I, I, I like this matchup quite a lot. Um, Sean Dietschy needs to get something going for Everton here. The pressure is definitely on. Um, Crystal Palace, on the other hand, they're in a very good tier so far. However, I think um, we could potentially see a little bit of a of a hiccup in the road. And I think Everton is a hiccup in the road right now. Uh, I'm going two to one, Everton. I'm gonna ride with Roy Hodgson until he proves me wrong. I think. He's, he made us eat us, our words based off of what we talked about yep. when they first hired him back originally. I'm going to actually say Palace wins 2 nothing here. All right. I like it. All right. Classic Diego Irub. All right. Let's go Leicester and Wolves. Leicester at home. They're a much better team. Fighting. They've lost four in a row. Wolves are on a nice little winning streak. they got two two wins under their belt here. Um, I do think both teams get a point. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw. Wow. Two very good defensively. Wolves very good defensively. Leicester's very good at home. Just makes sense to me. Um, I'm going to go on a different route here. This is the opportunity for Dean Smith to get the backing of his home crowd now. Um, Wolves coming into King Power Stadium is a different type of game in itself. Um, I think we see a different Leicester City here. I think we see a Leicester City with with a little bit of intensity in them. I'm going 2-1 to one Leicester. I, I, I was waiting for the 2 nothing. That's fine. Alright, uh, Liverpool not enforced. It's, it's a very good matchup. However, Liverpool has been on an absolute tear lately. Um, this is an important game for them to land at least a top six, top, you know, of uh, of the Premier League table. Um, I'm going four to two, Liverpool. Oh wow! <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we have five points in our last three games, two draws. In a, in a win last week over mm-hmm. Leeds. But I think Nottingham Forest is going to play them tough. I'm going to go Liverpool squeaking one out at home. I'm going to go 2-1. to one. 
You don't want Liverpool, got it. <clears throat> All right. Bournemouth and West Ham. At Bournemouth, they play them tough. Bournemouth at home is actually very good this year. Yep. Much better than their road record. At home, they're what? Five, four, and six. On the road, they're four, two, and ten. West Ham struggles on the road. They're two, three, and nine. However, they're they're still fighting to stay afloat. I think they still stay afloat. I'm going West Ham squeaking out one nothing. I like it. Um, I think for West Ham, this is the opportunity again to keep um, David Moyes afloat. They've been they've been grinding, they've been fighting, they've been doing their thing here. Um, Bournemouth, on the other hand, while well, yes, they played very tough against Arsenal and they were able to beat them. West Ham was able to come in with a with a tie. Um, I think for West Ham here, just luck runs on their end. I, I'm going two to one, two to one West Ham. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, the last game for this weekend in the Prem, we have uh, Newcastle and Tottenham. I'll let you kick us off here at Newcastle. I again, this is it, it's been a it's been a little bit of a roller coaster lately for Newcastle, dropping those. A very important three points at home against Aston Villa is definitely uh, a record there. Tottenham is hungry. They're they're trying to keep themselves afloat, staying in the top four or top five for the Premier League. Uh, Newcastle, on the other hand, I think they got a little bit kind of carried away with nailing that third place and now, you know, begging for to, to keep themselves afloat. Um I think when you have a hungry team like that versus a team that is grinding things out, you eventually come in a, a, a very good clash. I'm going two to two tie between the between Tottenham and Newcastle. I just think Tottenham right now is slowly working themselves out of a potential spot in the Europa League. I think Newcastle, yeah, they dropped three crucial points, but they bounced back. They won four out of their last five. They bounced back here. I'm going them two I'm going Newcastle two one. Two one, okay. <clears throat> All right, should we dive into the FA Cup matchups for this weekend? Well let's let's cover the Tuesday slate as well. Uh it's only three games there. If we're doing Tuesday just do the whole damn week. No, just Tuesday. Um this guy. Let, let's cover the Tuesday slate as well because those are very important games as well that can dictate what the Premier League table will look like coming into that weekend as well. Uh, I'll go first. I know Chris is probably going to do some predictions on his end over there. Um, first matchup that we have is Wolves taking on Crystal Palace. Um, very good matchup. I actually like this matchup quite a lot. Um, however, I like it that much that... I think we we land here at a standstill between the two teams. They're, they're very good teams. Uh, and I'm going with a 1-1 draw. Joke's on you. I had up until Wednesday. Thursday, excuse me. Done. Oh, wow. Just in case you wanted to go this far. But um, like I said uh, earlier, I I would have, I would love to have seen Crystal Palace play this weekend before I make this prediction. But until Roy Hodgson proves me wrong, I'm going to go Palace upset 2-1. Nice. 
Uh, Aston Villa and Fulham. I'll go here. Aston Villa, Fulham, very good game. Um, Unai Emery has done wonders at Aston Villa. He needs to get a lot more credit than he is getting from the media. I think Villa wins a close one. I'm going to go three to two. Three to two Villa. Okay. I like that quite a lot. Um, I think for Fulham, the matchup against Leeds is going to be so physical and so demanding for them that they don't have enough time to recover from there. Therefore, Aston Villa will just be able to blow the doors right through them. I'm going 2 to uh, two nothing Aston Villa. All right. Leeds and Leicester. Um, another matchup that I like a little bit here, uh, it's Dean Smith against his uh, one, one of the teams that cost him to be living, uh, you know, Be sacked from um, Norwich City in his days. Um, I'm going one nothing lesser here, but I don't expect it to be a, a massive matchup between these two. I like the score, but I like I like the other side. I'm going to go Leeds one nothing at home, squeaking, squeaking one out. Um, and Diego, just to give you context for um, the Wednesday and Thursday side of games, um, Liverpool is getting. <clears throat> Chris Kavanaugh in their matchup against West Ham as the referee. Of course, yeah. That's a that's an immediate draw. Um, Manchester City and Arsenal is getting Michael Oliver. And Manchester City and who? Arsenal. So Arsenal is winning that one. Okay. Um, and Tottenham and Manchester United. Do you know who the referee is? Oh, baby, do I know who it is? Anthony motherfucking Taylor. Correct. So things to watch out for for the early slate this week. <laughs> but yeah. So we don't have it any other way. That's that. Why don't we dive into the FA Cup? Yep. The last thing we touch upon today. Big shit. Excuse me. City is taking on Sheffield on Saturday. What do you give me your thoughts on that game? I think for Manchester City, exhaustion kicks in. Um, Sheffield is not competing in as many European league. Uh, Competitions this city is. I think this past game against Bayern Munich really demanded a lot out of them. Uh, with only about what four days to recover, maybe two days of or, or three days of training. That's really not. A, that's really a lot of pressure being put on those players' legs. Because at Sheffield United, that's had a lot of time to just kind of. Um, Relax, sit back, and 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 be able to be at full strength. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Sheffield United gets uh, uh walks away here with a draw between the two. I'm going one 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 draw. Yeah, I I just I you got to ride in Manchester City. They're they're a harder team. Like you said, I think Sheffield plays them close. However. I think City ends up winning two to one. All right. What about United and Brighton? Um, I love Brighton very much. I think what Roberto De Zerbi is doing with that team has just been sensational. You know, Grand Potter who basically at this point is what De Zerbi has made out of out of this team. 
Um, however, I think with a pissed off Manchester United after that performance against Sevilla comes in. Um, I'm going to ride with a one nothing victory for Manchester United, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if this ends in a draw. I would agree with that. I like that. Um, I'm going to go United 2-1 to one with Marcus Rashford scoring a late one. Okay, I like it. All right. Any other any other thoughts in the soccer world today that you want to discuss? Not a lot more to discuss here. I just think it's 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 important to keep an eye on the managerial shuffling that we're gonna be seeing. I think it's it'll dictate what the Champions League and a couple other European competitions will look like for the 2023-2024 season. Yeah, no, I would agree 100%. Um, I want to give a sh- shout-out to our TikTok page. Um, we have officially hit uh, over 1,400 likes yep. and over 30,000 views on on our content on there, which has been fantastic. Make sure you're following us on TikTok, at Podcast Card. Um, very much so, more content coming. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, but, yeah, no, from us here at Yellow Card Podcast, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Podcast Card. Make sure you're listening to us on Spotify, YouTube. Just, just do the thing, boys. Just do the thing. Help the boys out. And let's get this soccer podcast to stay where we're at. Maybe yes, even succeed. Maybe even succeed where we're at. Yes, sir. Um, with that said, that concludes episode 22 of season two here at the Yellow Card Podcast. Thank you all very much. Signing off. Theo Galvis, Chris Jones, until next week. See you all later.